If you've not been to 201 Becoming Part of the Body and you're interested in uh, being part of our church family on a permanent basis, if you want to be a member, if you just want to hear more about our church family, then we'd love to have you come and be part of that. There will be some food served. It will take place right on the other side of that wall and it will be immediately after our service today. So I hope you can be part of that. 201 Becoming Part of the Body. The second thing is, is that if you are a Filipino, there is a special session for our Filipinos today after our service. We're going to have a lunch together also, and then we're going to have a life group for our Filipinos take place down the gymnasium uh, after this morning. So if you are Filipino, you want to be part of that, we'd love to have you be part. I say Filipino, but if, if you just want to join a life group today and you're not Filipino, we'd still love to have you down there. I'm going, and I am not Filipino, okay? Bud is going, and Bud is not Filipino. And so we'd love to have you come, uh, whether you're Filipino or not. But it is uh, definitely want to have our Filipinos come and join us today if you are able to do so. I remember it was about 20 years ago, almost exactly, if, if memory serves me correctly, that I got up on a Sunday morning after watching the gold medal hockey game early in the morning. I got up, you know, it was, the game was like at 4 o'clock or something in the morning. And I got up and it was the game, it was again Canada against Sweden. But this time it came down to a shootout. Remember this? And we lost. It was not good. So I changed my sermon for the morning. I got up that morning to preach, and I said, I'm changing the title of my sermon. The title of my sermon now is, Why the Olympic Gold Medal Hockey Game Should Not Be Decided by a Shootout. And today, I'm not changing my sermon. Because we won. I don't have to change anything. It was just a very good morning. Amen? Amen. All those Canadians. Those of you who are not Canadians yet, I hope you were cheering for us. Okay. It was a good day. We're not going to pray and thank God specifically for Sidney Crosby, but isn't he a blessing? <laughs> well, it was a few years before that, in about 1984, so it was maybe 30 years ago, I was on a plane traveling from Lubbock, Texas to Los Angeles. Robin and I lived in Long Beach, which is part of the LA area, and I was doing youth ministry there. And I had gone to a youth minister seminar in Lubbock, Texas, been there for a few days, and I was on my way back. And like all of you have dreamed about doing, and like any good Christian would do, I was sitting in a row of three seats on the plane, and I was on the aisle. Next to me was uh, a young woman, and then on the window was a guy. And I thought, I've got this person cornered here for about two and a half hours between Lubbock and L.A. I'm going to talk to her about Christ. And so I, over time, started sharing the gospel uh, with this woman and, you know, talking to her about her life and then telling her about Jesus. And we turned to the topic of the church. And she said to me, you know, she said, the thing I don't get about Christianity, she said, there's just so much disunity within the church. I don't understand why you people can't get along. If you've got the truth and things are so... Uh, good in terms of being a Christian. Why is there so much disunity? There's all these different groups and, I, and they don't seem to get along very well. And I, you know, I thought, had to admit she had a point. And I said to her, well, you know, that's kind of true. I said, let me tell you about our group. You know, we, we began our movement years and years ago as a group that wanted to solidify the body of Christ and have us all be just one group of Christians. And so we really, we've really been a unity movement from the beginning. We've wanted to just focus on the things that are most important about being Christian and, and come together on those things. And I said, there are, I have to admit, there are some people, uh, you know, some, one segment of our brotherhood uh, who 
would like to see us be much more specific in terms of the things that we identify as the things that we have to all hold together. And so those people would say that we need to be very specifically aligned in a lot of different things. But I said, I, you know, the part of Churches of Christ that I'm with, we're, I'm not quite so concerned about being perfectly aligned on all of these different specific kinds of things. So we talked like that for, you know, for a while. And then with about 20 minutes to go or something in the flight, all of a sudden the guy who is sitting on the window begins to enter the conversation. And he proceeds to tell me and to tell her that he is actually with another branch of the Churches of Christ. And when I say another branch, he's really with us. He was just part of the churches of Christ. But he was with a church that really focused on all of those specifics and getting all of those specifics right. And that if we're going to be united in Jesus Christ, we need to get ourselves aligned on all of these various specifics. And if we're not aligned on all of these various specifics, it's a problem because God really wants us to be unified in mind and thought. I'm sure he probably quoted 1 Corinthians 1.10, which says just exactly that, that we need to be all united together in mind and thought. Well, what was happening was that in a very short order, my friend on the window was pretty much undoing everything that I had tried to do for the last hour and a half with this lady in talking to her about Christ. Because her concern from the beginning was that we were all disunified. And he had just proved it. And in fact, she said, as she was sitting in between us, finally she kind of went like this and she said, you want me to become one of you, but you guys, you two, you can't even get along. You're not even together in your faith. And she was exactly right. And that was a problem. And I have to confess, it bothered me. Well, that's kind of what we're talking about this morning. The fact that there is a testimony that goes out to the world when the world looks at us and sees that we aren't united. It was, I think, last year, I don't remember, maybe in the spring, that we played a series of lessons here. There were three in the series by Rick Ashley, who had been at the Pepperdine Lectures. And Rick had talked about the things, this was the title of his series, The Things That Jesus Hates. Which sounds kind of rough. You know, it's putting the word hate and Jesus in the same sentence just doesn't really feel very good. But the things that Jesus hates, and one of those things, one of the main points that Rick was making was that Jesus hates it when the church is not in unity. He doesn't like brothers and sisters to not be together in him. And it makes total sense that Jesus would feel that way and that we could use a word like Jesus hates this because it's in defiance of a prayer that Jesus prayed. This comes from John 17, a prayer that Jesus prays just before he goes to the cross. And he says, I pray for those who will believe in me, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. And notice that language that they may believe that you have sent me. The world is looking at us. And there's a testimony that goes out about Jesus when the church of Jesus Christ is not unified. And so the ramifications of unity, of Christian unity, they're, they're huge. 
And when we take it lightly, I think we make a mistake. In fact, I would say that when it comes to those doctrinal things that are right at the heart and and what we should be believing and practicing, this is huge. This is one of the biggies. This is one of the things that seems to be right at the core of what it means to be Christian. Christian unity is not an option. It's in fact the desire of the Lord Jesus Christ that we be unified. Something happens between believers when they're joined together with God and with each other in this holy unity. In fact, I would say that the word holy is a good word to use to describe the kind of unity that we're supposed to have. We sometimes talk about the Holy Bible, or we talk about the Holy Church, or we talk about the Holy Communion. And we're saying that this is sacred. This is set apart by God. And it sounds as though with Jesus praying the way that he does in John 17 for unity, that there's a holy unity that we're supposed to have amongst ourselves. So we have holy baptism that we join together in. We have holy communion we join together in. And we have a holy unity that is supposed to be ours in Christ. And we just can't take that very lightly. Well, that leads me to some level of excitement, actually, when I think about our body here. Because there are some things that we have done specifically for the sake of unity. Like, for example, if you look at our statement of faith you'll find that unity has a key role to play within our statement of faith. For example, our statement of faith includes what we need to believe to be united in holy unity. And so if you get on our website or you go over to the Connection Center or somewhere else, maybe a handout that we've given in the past or something, and it lists our statement of faith, the things that we believe, there'll be at least 12 things on there that we kind of say are our non-negotiables, the things that we think we really want to believe. This is our core of belief. And we will, on these things, agree. And the point is to find the body of Christ in unity on these things. And I'm glad that we think unity is so important that we actually say, here's the things on which we think we need to be unified. Well, it gets better in some sense. Because our statement of faith actually makes Christian unity one of our foundational principles. If you look through the 12, you'll find that unity is one of those 12. Where we say, this is a crucial element within our belief system. In fact, let me read it to you. It says, we seek to demonstrate a spirit of unity within our church as we follow Christ. So that with one heart and mouth, we may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ in everything we do. While our church has people from many different backgrounds, we are one body, one community in Christ. We strive to be unified on our non-negotiable issues. Those are the 12 at the front there. And we'll allow for differing opinions on disputable matters. And there's some of those listed actually at the bottom of our statement of faith. Some disputable things, some things that are controversial issues. And we say, on these, we allow for some room for opinion. We believe that we're to be known for our love for one another and our commitment to accepting one another in love as Christ has accepted each of us. In this, we will bring praise to God who will continue to add to our numbers. And he'll add to our numbers as people recognize the unity that we have achieved together. And so there is, in this statement, some things that we say, these are core items. These are, in fact, more significant than some other items in our belief system. Now, that's interesting. I don't know if you've thought about this. But there really are some items that are more significant than others. 
And it, it, it's kind of like this. I, I, I'm a poor man. I have no money with me today. Okay, but if I did, I could reach in my pocket perhaps and I could pull out a quarter. And all of you would recognize because it's got maybe, uh, what, there's a caribou on one side and then the other side, what is it, a, the queen? What's on a quarter? Is it the queen on the other side? We all, we all look at it every day and none of us know. <laughs> okay? But then, in addition to the quarter, I could reach into my pocket and pull out a $20 bill. And we all know that there's some currency here. There's, there's currency in the quarter and there's currency in the $20 bill. Now everybody would, if I said to them, let's go to Tim's and have a cup of coffee, everybody would say, well, we need to take the $20 bill. Because you can, you can do something with the $20 bill. There's not much you can do with the quarter anymore. But the fact is they're both currency. They're both legal tender in Canada. So they have value, but one of them is way more valuable than the other. In fact, 80 times more valuable if my math is right. And so I think it's kind of like that when it comes to theology. There are some things in the Bible. I can read lots of statements in here. God wants us to do certain things, but some of those are quarter items. Some of them are worth about 25 cents. Some of those are $20 items. And I'd like to think that on the 12 statements that we have, that those are the $20 items. And that on those, there needs to be agreement. And not disagreement. I think the Bible needs to determine for us what those $20 items are and what those 25 cent items are. Because this is important. And so the other day, I used the image of the plane a little while ago. The other day, this week, on Wednesday, I was at lunch with someone talking to them about Jesus Christ and we're sitting across the table at Smashburger. And he said to me, well, there's some things I don't get. Like, I don't really understand why there's all this division within Christianity. How come you guys don't get along if you've got the truth in Jesus? It's a good question. So we talked about that. We talked about how the fact is there are some people who would like to have us be going in one direction and some of us go in another direction. But then in my opinion, there are some things that are really core items on which we need to focus. And it, that it's a travesty that we're not as united on those things as we should be. And I said to him, you know, I, I have to confess to you, the reason why we're not more united than we are is because we're human beings. Because we make mistakes. Because sometimes we're sinful. Sometimes we don't look at things the way that we should. And God isn't pleased. It's interesting that our movement from the beginning was constructed as a movement designed to defeat this very thing. So that when Alexander Campbell and his father came from Ireland and moved to the United States at the early part of the 1800s, they looked around and said, how come there's Presbyterians and there's Methodists and there's Baptists and there's Catholics and there's whatever else there is? Is that what Christianity was supposed to be? And they said, no, there's something, something different that's supposed to be about us. We're supposed to be one unified body in Christ. And so they called us to be one unified body in Christ. Unfortunately, 
it didn't go exactly as they planned. And so within 40 years of the establishment of the restoration movement, there were starting to be divisions and some significant divisions taking place. Sometimes I've wondered if the reason those divisions took place was because we kind of lost sight of something. And the thing we lost sight of is that there are some things that are $20 items. And there's some things that are 25 cent items. And if you get those two things confused, all of a sudden we find ourselves focusing on peripheral matters. Not the biblical center. And these matters of opinion become huge in our minds to the point where we end up separating with other people because of these peripheral matters. And I just can't think of anything that would break the heart of God more than his people separating because of some issues that in his mind aren't all that important and aren't all that clear. And so here are some things that I think are clear. I read in my Bible these words. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That seems to me to be relatively clear. I read, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. That seems to me to be fairly clear. I read, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That seems to me to be relatively clear. God is love seems to me to be pretty clear. All scripture is God-breathed, seems to me to be pretty clear. How about, it is by grace you've been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it's the gift of God. Or repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. It seems pretty clear to me. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That seems relatively clear. This do in remembrance of me. Jesus says, speaking of the Lord's Supper, it sounds to me like we're supposed to do that. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. Seems to me to be pretty clear. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Seems to me to be clear. By this all men will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. Seems to me to be relatively clear. And then there's this statement which really is kind of our theme statement for the morning. It comes right out of Ephesians chapter 4, verses 3 through 6. And this passage is special in my way of thinking, especially when it comes to the issue of unity. Because here at this point, there's some key things that the Bible says are the one things on which we need to be, more than anything, unified. And so listen to the language. Make every effort, he says, to keep the unity of the Spirit, through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. And it sounds to me like that's a pretty good list. All these things are actually found in our 12 non-negotiables on our belief statement. You can find all seven of those somewhere in the top 12 statements. 
And so I'm glad that I can read Ephesians 4, 3 through 6, and that I can say these things listed as the ones on which we're supposed to focus are the things on which we are focused. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of us all, one hope, one spirit, one body. These seem to me to be clear. And they seem to me to be central. And they seem to be important. And so if I'm going to divide, if, if the church at some point is going to find itself separated from others, you know where it needs to divide? It needs to divide on these things. If somebody says, nah, there's 20 bodies. We need to, we need to be questioning that one. If somebody says there's 15 faiths, we need to be questioning that one. If someone says there are 42 lords, or if you're like the Hindus, 300 million, then we need to be asking some questions about that one. Because these are the things on which we're supposed to be united. And I, I've come up with some principles here. And, and after today, like maybe after you, maybe you'll go to the website and listen to this again, because you're probably not going to write all these down. And it's a bit much to write down right now anyway. But I encourage you to go to the website afterward and just think about these and see if this works for you. This is kind of an experiment. Okay, I'm just going to throw something out here, some principles, and see if you agree. And if you don't, we can talk about that. We'll stay unified despite any disagreement we might have about them. Okay? But there's this that I'm thinking of. What you are dividing on needs to be crystal clear. So plainly stated in the Bible that Bible readers who give themselves to the study of the word should not miss it. It needs to be so clearly stated in the word that those who are giving themselves to the reading of the Bible shouldn't miss it. I think these seven ones in Ephesians 4, I think they're that way. I think what we... If we're going to divide on something, we need to be dividing on something that is so clear that everybody should get it. Number two, what you divide over needs to be biblically central and important. It needs to be a $20 item. Again, it just, I think God's heart would break if we were dividing from each other on 10 cent items. He wants us to be dividing only on those things which are central and most important. The third thing. What you hold so dear as to be willing to divide over that issue needs to fit with the basic character of God and with the ways he has historically interacted with human beings, especially in Christ. In other words, does this fit with the character of God? Does it fit with his nature? Does it fit with the way that he deals with human beings? If somebody has something that they want to do or practice or believe that just looks way out of character with the nature of God, it's worth asking questions about. And then the fourth thing. If the issue is not a salvation issue, determining a believer's salvation, then even if you separate from someone over the issue, you need to treat him or her like a brother or sister in Christ. Because if it isn't a salvation issue, God accepts that person or those persons. And we must too. And so if it's not a salvation issue, if you say, well, this isn't a salvation issue, but you know, we just agree, I just can't be with you on this one. 
you just separated from somebody that God accepts. And that's a problem. You can't say to God, your standards are too high, Lord, or not high enough. We have to instead follow God's pattern of relating to one another and be in unity with one another on the basis that God would have us be in unity with one another on. The last point I want to make here has to do, again, with the nature of God. I mentioned this prayer from John 17 where Jesus prays specifically for unity. Jesus prays this prayer just before he goes to the cross. And he prays specifically that we would be united together and one as he and his father are one. And he says, they, may they be one in us. Which means that our unity is absolutely tied to the nature of God. And the Spirit is specifically called the Spirit of Unity. And so if we're going to focus on the ministry of the Spirit in the life of the church and focus on what the Spirit's supposed to do in and through us, unity is the Spirit's objective. Are you going to fight against the Spirit in the process of fighting for something other than unity in the church? In fact, I would say this. What if in our history we would have gone after love and unity with as much intensity as we have gone after doctrinal correctness on some of the minor points? I think that the church would have been better off There are some things that Christians have made tests of fellowship and over which we've separated ourselves that aren't as biblically clear as others, that aren't as biblically centered and important as others, that aren't issues of salvation. And if we spent less time worried about those things and more time thinking about how we can maintain the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace, the church would be better off. Unity is a core issue. That's why it's one of the 12. It's one of those things on which we need to focus. Does that mean that we never have reason to separate from anyone? No. There are times when in the body of Christ, separation needs to take place. But when it does, it needs to be on one of these issues that is clear, on one of these issues that is central and important and one that links us to salvation. Because if those who disagree with us are considered God's children by God, they better be treated that way by us. We just have nothing else that we should be doing. I told you the story about being on the plane. There's a really neat end. In 1989, we hired a youth minister in Victoria at the church where I was working. And his name was Ron Crawford. He was from Southern California. So Ron came from Southern California, and I'd known him when I was down uh, doing ministry in the area. We hired him. He came and, and uh, was with us in Victoria as a youth minister. After he'd been there for about four or five months, I got a letter in the mail. And the letter was from the guy who had been on the window in the plane. 
And what had happened was that over a period of years, he had moved from the church where he was in, which was this church that really focused on a lot of these specific things and said we need to be all unified on these specifics. He moved from that church to the church where Ron Crawford came from. That was now his home church. And Ron's parents knew this guy. And Ron told, you know, or, or Ron's parents told this guy, oh, well, Ron's working in Victoria with a guy named Kelly Carter. And the guy said, oh, I know Kelly Carter. We were on a plane once together. And so he wrote me a letter. Dear Kelly, I just want to tell you the way that the Lord has worked in my life. And I have left that way of thinking. I'm not there anymore. And he described how freeing that was for him to be in a different place than he had been when I first met him on the plane. And I thought to myself, I wish I could ride on the plane with this guy again. That we could do this all over. Have another chance to talk to somebody about Jesus and to do so now in a unified way and not destroy our witness in the process because we couldn't get along together in Jesus on some 25-cent items. God wants something different from us. And we need to honor Him in that. Let's pray. Lord, we pray that you would always bless us with a spirit of unity. Father, when it comes to an item that's a $20 item, help us stand strong. Help us to not waver. We don't want to give up on the things that your word says and which are clear and important and salvific. But Father, when we're bickering about some 10 cent or 5 cent or 25 cent item, Fix our hearts. Help our understanding. Create through your spirit unity that we might honor you before the world. It's through Christ that we pray. Amen.